Please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Por favor, habla en la poderosa Lucas, capítulo 1. Lucas, capítulo 1. It is uh, so encouraging to be able to have a worship service uh, that's bilingual. Es tan animante el poder reunirnos y poder alabar a Dios en nuestros idiomas. to do. Ahí. Gracias, Kyle. Muy bien. Uh-oh. I feel like I'm being pranked because I didn't buy a donut. I will repent. Es que compré pan. The United States is the second largest Spanish-speaking country in the world. There are more Spanish speakers that live in the United States than in Argentina, than in Colombia, than in Spain. This is a country where the Spanish language is here and is here to stay. Whereas in other cultures who bring their own native language, usually by generation two, that language is gone. In the proximity to Latin America, new generations not being ashamed to be speak Spanish, but embracing their parents' language. And the culture being a communal, family-oriented culture the, the language remains. Every institution and every industry in the United States has figured that out. So when you call somewhere, they say, para español, o prima el uno. It used to be dos. <laughs> Moved us up. Every institution and every industry has embraced a branch for Spanish. In our fellowship of churches, my wife and I are only one of nine ministers devoted to Spanish ministry in our, the entire country in our fellowship of churches. My position doesn't exist as a Spanish minister for Spanish ministry in the majority of our churches, and yet we are the second largest Spanish-speaking country in the world. I say that to say to bring some context as to how special our bilingual service is and how we are participating with the new things that God is doing in the second largest Spanish-speaking country in the world. And so for the English-dominant speakers, we thank you for making space where we can worship publicly in both languages and not be in a corner with headsets feeling like second-class citizens. But now we are participating in the kingdom when all are welcome and all can hear in their native language. Amen? Ese discurso no lo voy a traducir porque me imagino que lo escuchan cada domingo. Cabal. Muy bien. Lucas, capítulo 11. Luke, chapter 11. The English ministry, you guys have been going through <clears throat> the Gospel of Luke. 
And so I'm grateful, we're grateful to be able to join in into this passage. For us, we've been going through the Gospel of John, so we'll pause that and we'll enter the world of Luke. El Ministerio en Inglés está hablando del, del Evangelio de Lucas. Entonces vamos a tener una pausa del Evangelio de Juan y entrar a este mundo de Lucas. I have a pop quiz, una pregunta. In Luke 11, how much bread did the friend ask for? ¿Cuántos panes le pidió el amigo? Find your answer. Don't tell anyone. We'll get to it later. In Luke chapter 9, perdón, dice 11, pero dice 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, Jesus makes this proclamation. As the time, the scripture says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And so from chapter 9, verse 51, all the way in 1928, it's Jesus and his ministry journeying to Jerusalem. In the Christian calendar, we're on our way to the cross and resurrection. And that's what's taking place there. En Lucas 9, 51, dice la escritura, uh, como se acercaba el tiempo para que fuera llevado al cielo, Jesús se hizo el, el firme propósito de ir a Jerusalén. And so then chapter 11 is in the middle of this journey. And chapter 11 talks about prayer and other things that we're going to unpack for a second. But I, I want to just kind of set it up here for you, for you to understand how unique chapter 11 is in the context of this journey to death and resurrection. Vamos a leer ahorita temas del capítulo 11, pero es importante entender el, el contexto de este, de este camino a Jerusalén y lo importante de Lucas 11, ya que habla de oración y otras cosas y otros temas que vamos a hablar en unos minutos. So Luke chapter 11, Lucas capítulo 11. Here's a breakdown of Luke chapter 11. This breakdown is an invitation for you to take some time this week and to dive into one of those themes. Esta gráfica es una invitación para que tomen esta semana de, de entrar a uno de los, uh, de los temas que está hablando aquí. So we see prayer, power, signs, and critics. Oración, poderes, señales, y críticas. It's a very dense chapter. In fact, chapter 11 and chapter 14, there's a lot of content and teaching back to back to back to back to back that for the reader can be a little overwhelming and easy to miss some things. But again, it's right in the middle of that journey. De hecho, del capítulo 11 al capítulo 14, Jesus hace muchísimas enseñanzas una tras otra tras otra que para el lector puede ser un poquito difícil y se puede leer un poco malentender el concepto ahí. But we're going to not talk about all of these, but we'll talk about powers and then we'll go back to the beginning prayer. No vamos a hablar de todos estos, pero vamos a hablar de los poderes y regresamos a la oración. So I'm just going to kind of summarize it here. In Luke 11, verse 14 to 28, it says there that Jesus healed a man that 
was mute. Verse 14, sorry. As Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute, when the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. In Lucas 11, 14, dice, En una otra ocasión, Jesús expulsaba un hombre de un que tenía un demonio que lo había dejado mudo. Cuando salió el demonio, el mudo habló y la gente se quedó asombrada. And then later, Jesus here, right away, he's accused that he's driving out demons by a demon. And then Jesus responds just with logic, like, hey, if Satan's divided against Satan, it's going to collapse. Like, he just kind of is gently just kind of breaking it down logically to his critics. And then there's a lady at the end, you know, blesses the mother who bore you. And Jesus is like, that's cool. But it's better to trust and believe in God. And so we see two extremes in the middle of this teaching and this miracle. One extreme is hypercritical of Jesus. And the other extreme is kind of that people, people that tell you what they want you, they want you to hear. But I love how Jesus kind of handles both and brings them back to trusting in God. Jesús aquí sana a este hombre y lo acusan. Está sanando con el poder de un demonio. Y usa la lógica. Dice, bueno, si Satanás está dividido, ese, ese, ese reino va a caer. Y después una mujer en, le grita y dice, oh, bendícese a tu mamá por todo lo que haces. Y Jesús no le responde necesariamente, pero le invita a confiar en Dios y a creer en Dios. Entonces vemos un extremo de respuestas, crítica y la gente que te dice lo que quieres escuchar. Pero Jesús está ayudando a ambas. That says a lot about Jesus, who can take critics and people pre pleasing praise and not be shaken, but be able to attend to both and bring them to God-centeredness. Because we can relate to the critics. We may not accuse Jesus of doing things in the power of Satan, but we may feel like Jesus is absent or not working in your favor. You said you'd love me. You said you'd be there. Where are you? Maybe we have resentment at times, especially when difficult things are taking place. Or maybe we're on the other extreme. This is the best life ever. Oh, my goodness. Yay. I mean, it is, but life is real. <laughs> there's struggles. There's ups. There's downs. God is not expecting us to be in this hyper bubble either. So it says a lot about God who can take the spaces where we can be and bring us back to God-centeredness. Dice mucho del Jesús que toma estos extremos y nos puede guiar a ser centrados en Dios y no ayudándonos a enfocarnos en Dios. Porque nosotros fácilmente podemos ser como los críticos, quizás no acusando a Jesús de ser un demonio, pero en veces teniendo el resentimiento porque las cosas van difícil y en veces sentimos que queremos echar la culpa a Dios. 
no me hubiera quedado cristiano, cristiana, no estuviera pasando esto. O podemos estar en el otro extremo. Todos, todo es alegría y felicidad, pero eso no es la realidad. Entonces vemos al Jesús que nos trae. Now Luke is doing something a little cool here. Love the gospel of Luke. At the beginning of Luke, Zechariah doesn't trust God, God's messenger, and he's muted. Elizabeth, trust. That might be a sign, brothers. I'm going to leave it right there. Zacarías, en el principio de Lucas, no confía en Dios y queda mudo. Elizabeth confía y ella sabe qué hacer. And now, there's a demon that can mute people. Y ahora hay un demonio que puede hacer muda a la gente. So we see a God who mutes Zechariah. Vemos al Dios que muda a Zacarías. And we see a demon that can mute people. Y vemos un demonio que puede mudar a la gente. Luke is letting us know we're bringing both powers into the ring. Both have powers. And so it makes more sense when you read that passage, when Jesus is talking about the strong man, what he's talking about. I'll leave that for your own personal Bible study. Por eso en el discurso de Jesús habla que el hombre que está más fuerte, que cuida su casa, puede ser derrotado y todo eso, porque está comparando el poder de Dios y el poder de un demonio. And in verse 20 it says, but if I drive, Jesus, this is what Jesus says, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Again, using logic to help them understand, I'm God helping you out here. En Lucas 11, 20 dice, pero si expulso a los demonios con el poder de Dios, eso significa que ha llegado a ustedes el reino de Dios, usando la lógica. Para ayudarlos a entender. Now, this is a reference, as you can see, finger of God. It's a reference to Exodus chapter 8. Es una referencia a Éxodo capítulo 8. What's happening in Exodus? God is displaying God's power to emancipate the enslaved people in Israel and free them from the bondage of Pharaoh's system. But Pharaoh is pushing back. And God sends a plague, and the magicians respond with something similar. And so we see a collision of powers. Am I, are you going to be enslaved and muted? Or are you going to be freed and be able to pray as we're going to get to? You see all of that? The contrast of the God who wants us to pray, who wants us to be free, Luke chapter 4 here to set the captives free. And the demons who want to keep you silenced. Pharaoh who wants to keep you enslaved and under his bondage. So there's a lot happening in Luke that we should pay close attention to. Todo esto es una referencia de ver los poderes, el poder de Faraón y el poder de Dios. El Dios que quiere liberar a las personas en esclavitud. Y está comparando al faraón que quiere dejar en esclavitud a la gente. 
el Dios que llega con su poder y empieza a mandar cosas que pasan para liberar a su gente, pero los magos responden con lo mismo. Porque Faraón y los demonios quieren mantenerte en esclavitud y mudo. Dios te quiere liberar y te quiere dar voz para que puedas orar. But the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts. They could not, since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere. The magician said to Pharaoh, they just gave up. This is the finger of God. The same thing Jesus is saying. That's a direct reference. Jesus is kind of letting him know, listen, you guys are like the magicians of Pharaoh. Let me free my people, Luke chapter 4. Stop trying to keep people in religious bondage. Stop accusing me. I'm here to serve Éxodos 8.19, los magos recurriendo a sus artes secretas trataron también de producir mosquitos, pero no pudieron. Mientras tanto, los mosquitos picaban a los hombres y a los animales. Y esta es la escritura favorita de Diego Armando Maradona. En todo esto anda la mano de Dios. Can't translate that one. It's cultural. Pero vemos el contraste del Dios que quiere liberarnos y darnos una voz y al faraón que quiere oprimirnos y demonios que nos quieren silenciar. Are you in bondage? Have you been muted? You find yourself able to pray. Find yourself able to share what's really going on. Find yourself not having the people in the space share how you're feeling. Do you feel censored? Do you feel trapped? There is a God who can walk you through and give you a voice, and give you a space to be God-centered and freed. And if you look into that passage, you see the call. As you remove things, you need to replace them. I'm all about deconstruction, but how are you gonna, what are you gonna replace that with? It's good to be critic about certain things. I think that's healthy, and I think that's good. But if we don't replace it with God-centeredness, we may end up in a better, a worse situation. So God is letting us know, say what you need to say. I'll listen to you. He didn't ignore the critic. He didn't ignore the people-pleasing person. He attended to them to bring him. Because God's power is listening to us and giving us a voice so that we can speak to him. The power of a relationship with the living God. Sit on that. We've got to translate. Vemos a Dios 
que responde a ambos espacios y nos ayuda. ¿Cómo estás? ¿Te sientes mudo o muda? ¿Que no puedes orar? ¿Que no puedes desahogarte? ¿No puedes compartir lo que sientes? ¿Te sientes censurado o censurada? ¿Hay heridas en relaciones donde no puedes decir, expresar lo que sientes? Eso no es de Dios. Pero si sí hay un Dios que te puede ayudar y navegar para que tengas la voz. La voz para hablar con Dios. El enfoque para tener, para estar centrado o centrada en Dios y ser liberado y liberada para que puedas hablar en oración con Dios y tener la sabiduría para poder sanar y lidiar esas relaciones. Let's go. Let's talk about prayer now. We're going backwards here. And we'll end right here with communion. Can we go to the next slide? Thank you. So let's talk about prayer. Next slide. For some reason. There we go. Let's read this. Vamos a leer esta oración. This is very short prayer compared to Matthew. But there's a lot there. Está muy corto en comparación de Mateo, pero hay mucho ahí. How are you guys doing? You good? We're, we're, we're together here? You're committing to buy more donuts? They stopped my controller, so I'm, I'm, I'm committing here so I can. All right. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. That tells you so much about God right there. That tells you so much about Jesus. Luke is constantly highlighting the prayer life of Jesus. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. That tells you so much about what it means to be a follower of Jesus because these guys are learners. They're humble. They're paying attention. They have a desire to learn more from the living God. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, all be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us, that have been highlighted, each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sin. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. The brilliance of Luke, that he's able to pack all of these themes in Luke into four verses, into an outline prayer because this is a communal prayer we talked about personal muteness but now we look at communal expressions of faith let me read in spanish un día estaba jesús orando en cierto lugar que dice mucho de jesús porque en lucas jesús constantemente está orando cuando terminó, o sea, no dejó de orar para ir a hablar con otros, no dejó que distracciones invadan su tiempo de oración, no prendió el teléfono, no prendió el radio, hasta que terminó. O sea, no le digas a tus hijos, no he terminado, eso no, no, no ayuda. Anyway, all right, let me go. Le dijo a uno de sus discípulos, Señor, les dijo a uno de sus discípulos, Señor, enséñanos a orar. 
Así como Juan enseñó a sus discípulos. Entonces vemos aquí otro ejemplo de lo que es, significa seguir a Jesús. Que siempre estás creciendo, siempre deseas aprender más y más de Dios. ¿Para qué? Para conectarte con Dios. En veces queremos aprender para hacer algo. Pero el ejemplo es que están aprendiendo para ser alguien. Él les dijo, cuando oren digan, Padre santificado sea tu nombre, venga tu reino, danos cada día nuestro pan cotidiano y donas también. Perdónanos nuestros pecados porque también nosotros perdonamos a todos los que nos ofenden y no nos metas en tentación. Esta es una oración de comunidad. Ya hablamos que individualmente puedes quedarte mudo, pero en veces como comunidad puedes quedarte mudo y Dios quiere darle una voz a su pueblo. Esta es una oración de comunidad. Y en cuatro versículos, Lucas pone todos los temas del Evangelio de Lucas aquí. So, last, we, we, last time we spoke in English. Two seconds ago, we talked about how Luke packs everything, most of the themes of Luke in these four verses. Let's see them. We see Jesus' prayer life in these four verses. We see the followers as learners. We see the importance of prayer life of the church because it's Luke and Acts, and so the church is constantly in prayer. We see the God-centeredness about this. The, the, the students are asking, we want to learn to pray. For what reason? To connect with God. Sometimes we want to learn to do something. This is a posture of learning to be someone. Because when you're stuck in a cycle, will you read your Bible just to give a lesson? That's not God-centeredness. That's performance-oriented. Protect your relationship with God. God's future, breaking into the present, because he says, you know, your kingdom come. The Old Testament connections to God providing to his people. In four verses, Luke is wrapping up the major narratives of Scripture. And then the emphasis on forgiveness. That's a big one. That's a complicated one. Can we say that? That's a complicated one. But God, don't mute me. Or don't let me be muted. Help me to pray for forgiveness and to forgive. That's a personal prayer and a church prayer. Release our debts because he came to set the captive free. The year of the Jubilee where equality, mutuality can take place in the kingdom of God. And obviously the trials and temptations that come, not from God, but because of the consequences of following God. God's not out there trying to figure out how you can fail. Let me test you to see that you are not complete. Therefore, you can turn and need me more. That's not God. God listens to critics and walks them through into God's centeredness. 
God listens to out-of-touch people and moves them into God-centeredness and then says, call me Father. Pray for this. Pray with others. Be part of a community. So the trials are not the God who's trying to get you. The trials are the consequences of life when you're trying to follow God. Entonces, todos estos temas están en el Evangelio de Lucas. La vida de oración de Jesús, los seguidores como aprendices, la importancia de la oración en la vida de la iglesia, el Dios centrismo, no enfoque en la iglesia, enfoque en Dios. No queremos ser una iglesia que tiene un Dios. Queremos ser una iglesia que ama a Dios. El futuro de Dios está entrando al presente. Que venga su reino ya, aquí. Las conexiones del Antiguo Testamento con Dios proyendo para su pueblo, dándoles el pan, el mana de cada día. Y el tema del perdón, donde tenemos que hacer una pausa porque es complicado y hay emociones. Y en veces necesitamos recursos profesionales para ayudarnos a perdonar. Y todas las espinas y telarañas y cadenas que vienen con la herida donde falta el perdón a ti mismo o a otros. Y la liberación de deudas, porque es el año, el jubilio donde el reino es para todos y las pruebas. Pero no son pruebas que Dios te tortura. Son pruebas como consecuencia de tu fidelidad a Dios. So as we wrap up, once he teaches this prayer, ya después de que enseña esta oración, he gives them two parables to encourage them even more to pray. Después de enseñar de oranza, les da dos parábolas para animarlos más a orar. The demon wanted to mute. Yes, God muted Zechariah, but only so that Zechariah can listen to God. And when he heard little John B. be born, John the Baptist spoke Spanish. That's how he said it. That's how he said it. El Juan. <clears throat> so, we'll close with this and we're going to take communion. This is the parable. He gives the parable of the friend. Right? How many loaves of bread did the friend ask for? ¿Cuántos panes le pidió el amigo? Three. Is that by chance? Is that a random? First of all, it's random that at midnight you're going to go ask for bread. But then in that randomness, you're asking for three. So specific. ¿Cuántos le pidió? ¿Cuántos panes? Tres. ¿Por qué tres? Y después del ejemplo del amigo, after the parable of the friend, he gives a parable of the father. Again, I don't want you to just pray. Let me convince you to pray. Let me give an example that's friendly, a friend. Let me give you even a more intimate example, Father. 
Let's make a parenthesis. That word also can be complicated for some of us. I want to acknowledge that. Entonces, no solamente Dios quiere animarlos a orar, los quiere convencer y les da una parábola de un amigo y después algo más íntimo, un padre. So it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. All of these are connected to what just happens later. How can you ask if you're muted? You're not muted anymore, right? The whole house, strongman analogy, knocking on the door and all that. All right, that's for your homework. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a PlayStation, will you give him an Xbox instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, what? We won't get into that one right there. I don't know if it means what it sounds like it means. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Así que yo les digo, pidan y se les dará, busquen y encontrarán, llamen y se les abrirá la puerta, porque todo el que pide recibe y todo el que busca encuentra y al que, al que llama, el que llama se le abre. ¿Quién de ustedes? Como padre, si su hijo les pide un pescado, les dará en cambio una serpiente. O si les pide un huevo, le darán vegetales. Pues si ustedes, aún siendo malos, saben dar cosas buenas a sus hijos, cuanto más su Padre Celestial dará el Espíritu Santo a quienes lo piden. Did you catch that? This is a Trinitarian passage. How many loaves of bread? I say to you, Son, Father in heaven, Holy Spirit. ¿Cuántos pedazos de panes? Tres. Es un pasaje trinitario. Yo les digo, el Hijo, Padre Celestial, Espíritu Santo. As we take communion, we can remember that the Trinitarian God, in our times of need, He will give us our daily Bread. Vamos a tomar comunión, recordando que nuestro Dios trinitario en nuestro tiempo de necesidad nos da el pan cotidiano de cada día. And Luke might be making a connection here, saying, I know what you need. I am available to you. More than a friend, more than a dad, I'm available to you. But are you available to me? Are you seeking? Are you asking? Are you knocking? God is saying, can you join me 
from this space and that space, can you join me and ask me? Can you join me and seek me? Can you join me and knock on my door? I'm going to give you what you need. Will we have a relationship? Entonces Dios nos dice, yo estoy disponible para ustedes. Yo les voy a dar el pan de cada día. Estos tres panes, el Dios Trinitario, el Hijo, Padre, Espíritu Santo. Pero vas a estar disponible para mí. Yo estoy disponible para ti, pero haz tu parte. Pregunta, busca, toca la puerta. No te quedes mudo y en esclavitud, conéctate. Don't be in bondage, don't be muted. We take communion knowing that God is at work in the broken world, calling us to participate in the what he will meet our needs. We are called to seek, knock, and to ask. Tomamos comunión, conscientes de que Dios está trabajando. El reino ya está entrando al mundo. Y es nuestra parte buscar, preguntar, y tocar la puerta al Dios que está disponible. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to be able to dive into Luke 11. We pray we can... Listen to the things that you wanted us to hear today. We pray to be in tune, that you are the God who wants us to have a voice, who wants to free us, but is also as asking us, and desiring us to be students who want to know you more, to seek, to ask, and to knock. Dios, te damos gracias que tú eres el Dios que nos llamas, para ser aprendices, seguir aprendiendo, deseándote a ti, no para ser, pero para ser. Pero nuestra parte es buscarte, tocar la puerta, preguntarte. Tomamos esta comunión en celebración de tu amor. We take communion in celebration of your love. Amen.